Welcome to the Weekly Review. That was some craft work for you. That goes out to Dana. Um, that was an interesting song I hadn't heard before, and I was like, I like this. So sending some good music out there for everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in. It's Friday, April 27th, 2018. We are broadcasting live from Mutiny Radio here in the Mission District in San Francisco on Ohlone Land. And that's the update. I will provide a trigger warning in that we'll be talking about news and current events and things that are happening in the world right now. And they are, a lot of things are really frustrating and disturbing and sad and scary. That's, those are my reactions to it, I imagine, for other folks may have similar feelings as well. So I wanted to open up the show with that. And we'll be playing some music in between, and there will be some positive news stories in there, as there always are, if we can find them. And wanting to provide some sense of good things that are happening in the world because I find it's easy to get bogged down in the really horrific and backwards things that are happening and the systems of oppression that are continuing to work and malign people and the folks who don't care about it and or take part in these, whether willingly or unwillingly. And how do we provide a new world for people? How do we create this other world that we deserve to live in and let the systems that are in place right now fall because they are not sustainable and they are not healthy? 
that's something positive. Perhaps I'll, I'll keep track of the positive things I say today, or I can go back and check on, on them. A little personal information about, I oftentimes uh, have a checklist in my mind of things I do before preparing for the show on Fridays, and I don't usually get to all of them. Sometimes I do, and that can involve meditating or having breakfast or drinking coffee or getting some exercise or writing. I did some of those things today. I did not meditate, which I was planning to do, and then before you know it, it's after 11.20, and it's time to head over here. So we'll see how that impacts the show. I did have a good breakfast, and I had some coffee, so those are some good things. Weather report, as if anyone is interested. There's some clouds in the sky, and it's it's all right. There are a lot of things to be really angry about this week and every week, and it's difficult to focus on, uh, you know, because talking about one thing or two things doesn't mean that there aren't other things happening, so I'm wanting to open up the show with that statement. <sighs> I, it's, there's a, I'm kind of on the fence between two things that are really, that have happened here in, in San Francisco that are just so frustrating. One would be uh, our interim mayor, Mark Farrell, and a lot of us are like, ugh. And if you don't know the guy, I don't personally know him. I know some of the things he's voted for and the propositions he's, the bills he's written. He reminds me of Dan White in a way. So that's just kind of my feel of him. That's my instinct. Ugh. Anyway, he represents the Marina District. And last year, or I think it was last year, or maybe the year before, he authored, uh, it was 2015 possibly, he authored Prop Q, which is a really terrible, terrible bill that unfortunately passed. And like a lot of bills, which we might be talking about later on in the program, SESTA-FOSTA, these bills that are aimed, the ideas like, oh, we want to help people. And in fact, the bills actually hurt people. And the folks who write, ooh, sound effects. The folks who actually write the bills uh, don't really either know and or care about the people that they're trying to protect. And folks who vote and ideally want to help people may have, you know, they the bills are presented in such a way where people either don't do research on it or they think that they're helping. And in fact, when these bills pass, it involves the state hurting people more. And so that's what happened with Prop Q. And we'll be playing a video a little bit later on that was a response to that, and unfortunately it passed. And right now the interim mayor is working to do sweeps, home camps, homeless camp sweeps, which involves the DPW and the police taking people's possessions, taking people's tents, their medications. And the idea is just this fucking ridiculous bolt. I'm not going to be very, well, may, I, I, I'm upset and ding, 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 12, 11, 12, 11, and I'm super upset. It involves them. So there are folks, there's, Folks in the Bay Area and, of course, around the world who do not have stable housing, and part of this is due to land grabs and folks buying up land, people being evicted. There's a whole slew of causes that people don't want to look into, so instead they want to victim blame, even though over 70% of the people on the street in San Francisco were formerly housed here in San Francisco. We could also go into more statistics like that. Around, uh, around 25%, I believe, are veterans. There are the majority of women who are on the street have been survivors of domestic violence situations. A large portion are LGBTQ folks, many of whom have been kicked out of their homes. We could go on and on about the list of the folks who are currently unhoused here. And they're not able to receive the treatment and the help that they need because people would rather not think about that. Also, there are shelters, however, 
shelters aren't always the best solution for people as they're not always safe for people and they can be discriminatory. And also the waiting list to get in a shelter in the first place is over a thousand people long. There's also kids who are on the street. There are children who are. So the solution that this mayor thinks and folks who support him, uh, uh, okay, is, you know, out of sight, out of mind. We'll get rid of, if we if we kick them off the sidewalks, then then the, the folks won't have to think about it, which is the and it actually of course makes the problem worse because if you imagine someone comes to your house and just takes your things, oh we're gonna help you, we're just gonna like take we're gonna take your things, we're gonna make life harder for you, and that's what happens, and that's also the the question that when the the Super Bowl was here a few years ago, they merely ordered sweeps. Because they wanted to make the city look like a city that it's not, and we don't want to. We don't want to frighten the tourists. However, they have people doing security with fucking guns and military fatigues on. Those those people scare me more than folks living on the street personally. That's my opinion. I've been harmed by law enforcement. I haven't ever been harmed by someone who is unhoused. That's my experience. So they're they're they're, they're saying, oh, move along. You know, just we'll we'll move along. And the the question brought in by many folks, including folks who work at the Coalition on Homelessness, which is a great organization, who actually work with people to to find out what they need, was move along to where? What's your solution? You can't just say, oh, we're going to take, just shooing people away doesn't solve anything. It makes things worse. I would imagine it's similar to the idea of incarceration, where this idea of like, oh, someone does something wrong, we'll lock them away, we won't think about it, instead of actually rehabilitation or, or stopping the problems from happening in the first place, if it is a problem, because we all know many folks who are incarcerated don't need to be incarcerated in the, in the first place. Ooh, more sound effects. I don't need a drum kit here, I just can like move the microphone stand around for extra edit effect. So that was one thing, which is incredibly frustrating, when there it's... Especially in a city that has so many resources, and the companies that are here don't get taxed. So there is a lot of income coming into the city. There are millionaires, probably billionaires living here. I'm not friends with them. I don't know. There's funds. So we have the resources to do it. People just choose not to. So that's frustrating thing number one. Frustrating thing, and of course, the list goes on and on. I'm going to start off with the two things so I don't totally get so angry that I, I don't know what I do. Getting things out, talking them out at least is a step in the right direction. Airing out one's grievances, right? Every day, air out the grievances. Number two, it started off with a really awesome thing. And at the main library, the San Francisco Public Library, there's an awesome exhibition. It's the Degenderates Antifa Art Exhibition. It's fucking incredible. I know some of the folks who are involved in curating it and the folks who have donated art to it. It's fucking beautiful. And as a trans person, as someone who aligns with a lot of the political feelings um, I don't know if I have to say ideology necessarily, but someone who really agrees with it, it feels so, and also with trans identity, it's so fucking validating. And I was explaining this to someone the other day, imagine like not really having a, a space for oneself. And there's a tiny little space that can be carved out for you where you don't feel welcome or seen or witnessed in a lot of places. And suddenly there's a small place. And this is like a room in the library. It's on the third floor, I believe. It's in the James Hormel Center. I think it's the third floor. And you don't, you kind of have to go find it. It's not like you just walk right into it. And to have this space there is, it's like the LGBTQ reading room and they have an art exhibition around and it's just, again, so powerful, meaningful, important, empowering. It's great. Everyone should go see it. Go see it. It's great. I can't um, give it enough of a, 
recommendation. There's another word I'm looking for. Um, it's great. It's awesome. It's. Uh, I'm just gonna go on and on with really positive adjectives. You get the point. So this was up. It's been up for maybe a couple months or so, and it's wonderful. And some terps found out about it, and or trolls, and they started leaving really negative reviews of on the San Francisco Public Library Facebook page, and as well as alluding to some really dangerous turfish rhetoric, which is fucking horrible and horrific and misogynist and transmisogynist and violent and oppressive. It's just really bad. So, and then folks were like responding saying, Oh no, this is actually a really good exhibit and arguing the fact that trans women are women and people's accounts were hat. So folks, trans folks, queer folks, people who are allies were advocating um, people's accounts were hacked. In some cases, people were blocked out of Facebook and it was just a lot of really awful vitriol towards the trans community and towards trans women in particular, and a lot of lies. And when a marginalized group uh, has to go through that, it's like an everyday thing that people have to go through. And then in particular, in, in addition, the fact that here we have this tiny space carved out for us, and we can't even have that. And there have been some talks with the library, last I heard. I don't want to report too much that I don't know about, and or I'm not sure what's public information. People have been advocating for the exhibition to be restored in full because a piece, a, a, a shirt was was removed for a moment, and hopefully that'll be back. I'm not sure presently what the situation is. I am. It's just I'm so fucking livid that like we can't even have this one thing. So that happened, I think, a couple days ago, and it was just very much. I want to call on the cis listeners of the show to track, check in on your trans friends and comrades. <sighs> it's ugh, fucking turfs. Gross. All right. So gotten that out. There's more things to get angry at. I'm sure as I go through the news, there will be some more really horrific and problematic things that have happened. And I guess one positive thing is how can we all show up to combat that? How do we stop people from making things worse? Such as in Oklahoma, where they're looking to pass a law that would ban uh, gay and lesbian folks from adopting. Because it's not like children need uh, caring parents. No, not at all. There are some positive things. There were teacher strikes happening in Arizona and Colorado, and the pictures are incredible, just seeing the streets filled. And that's beautiful. So that's on the positive end of things. There we go. Okay. Well, my rant for the first part of the show, there might be some a little bit later, is done. And I'm going to go play some music. I also posted on my page for folks to share music that people have created. So we'll be playing some of that during the show as well. We're going to get to that in a little bit. First off, um, a song by David Byrne that I heard the other day that I found quite enjoyable. So we're going to hear that. And then um, we'll be back in a bit.
No quiero con respeto a todos Los cerdos, oye vive limpiame Con huevos, I just wanna fuck shit up Pero no puedo, these new laws got me fucked up This is work, this isn't fun I was gonna go out looking for daddies But I'm just gonna wait till they come to me I was gonna go out to approach some daddies But I'm just gonna wait till they approach me Daddy pay me Daddy pay me Daddy pay me Pay up son Alright, and welcome back to the weekly review That was a song by El Primo Innocente And you can find that on Poe's uh, Bandcamp page In Opogu, and that's I-N-O-P-O-G-U Dot Bandcamp.com And that's called Con Huevos Puto um, with the A as a with an amp, um, at the at sign, yeah. So if you type in that, you can find it. And there's a lot of amazing music on that page. Cool. Okay, moving along, we're gonna play some clips here. Um, as mentioned before, when we were talking um, videos from the Coalition on Homelessness in terms of the response to Prop Q, there, this was a response that they had. So we're gonna. Play that. And it's um, homeless women tell the truth about Prop Q. I'm living in a tent. I'm living in a tent. I am living on the streets. I'm homeless. I'm homeless. I am homeless. And I'm not homeless by choice. The billionaires backing Prop Q want to take. I'm just going to interrupt just to read the uh, visuals that they have here. There are over two. This is from a couple years ago. Actually, this is from October. Yes, two. Yeah, October 2016. Um, there are over 2,000 homeless women in San Francisco and only 300 shelter beds for women. Take the tents of homeless women away without giving them any real housing. Prop Q will make me less safe. Prop Q will land me on a cold, hard concrete. Prop Q increases the chance of sexual assault for homeless women. It will increase my chance of being sexually assaulted. Of being raped. Of being raped. Politicians are risking my safety. Are risking me for their own political gain. Vote no on Prop Q. Vote no on Prop Q. Vote no on Prop Q. <sighs> so this was a video that was put out with the hope that folks would vote no on Prop Q and the set, there are many, many, many dozens of organizations and community leaders who supported no on Prop Q. However, as well as elected officials, if you're into elected officials, however, it unfortunately passed. And right now in San Francisco, the interim mayor is the person who wrote the bill. Yikes. This is not good. This is not good for anybody. So thank you to the folks on Coalition on Homelessness for sharing this information. And even though this is from a couple years ago and folks did unfortunately pass this awful, awful bill. It's still important to recognize that the people in positions of power who often say that they're going to help people often do the opposite. And that's going to lead us to the next, to SESTA-FOSTA, which we've been talking about on the program for the past few weeks. And here's a video that um, I saw very recently and um, wanted to just to provide this as well as another perspective, as well as how these awful bills are harming people. 
And you can find the video if you go to YouTube. And I'm actually going to share it right now as well on the Facebook webpage. So you can also check it out there. And if you go to our Facebook webpage, we are at facebook.com forward slash weekly rev. And one moment. And now it has been posted. And the title of the video is Are Sex Workers Being Targeted by New Legislation? You can find it on YouTube and it was published by The Root. These men that write these bills and laws have lived off of the backs of sex workers. Does it matter that I suck a dick or may not or spank you or beat you? Because behind closed doors, these motherfuckers is buying ass. You can best believe if Donald Trump is on a plane and he says, I want some girls, his people are going to get those girls. I define sex work as work. Um, simply, it's, it's a means to, <laughs> a means. It's my survival, it's other people's survival. It's the oldest profession in the world. Mainly trans women work for not-for-profits. Not-for-profits don't pay anything. Sex work does. I define sex work as anything pertaining to sex. So um, I, I consider gynecologists to be sex workers. Anyone that deals in the industry of sex, even that people that work in sex shops, even you know your doctors, nurses, it's not just about intercourse. For me, it was just finding pole and wanting to be different in an industry that was very, very negative. And if I was able to change one or a couple people's mind by what they see, especially when I'm on stage, I felt that was liberating. Being in actual sex worker. I got to see so many different sides of this because I had, I was outed by the police, so that's why I had to see, see a new side of this. Being thrusted into the newspapers and being a sex worker, what was I going to do when this was over? I turned to advocacy because I realized there may be other girls or other people that are in sex work, that are in trouble, that are outed by the police, that are arrested, and I'm in this position and I'm a little stronger. How can I help other people? I wasn't out of by the police, but um, my, my daughter's father, one of my kids' fathers, tried to shame me so much um, from it. He would bring like my nude magazines to court. At the time when I used to be a gentleman's club stripper, he would bring that up in court. He even brought up the fact that I was a burlesque performer to try and use against me. But I was never ashamed of it, but that's part of the reason why I wanted to do the advocacy because, you know, as you said, there's people that are not strong, people that aren't supported, that need that support. And, you know, we need somebody to, to lean on, even if it's like just showing up, packing the courts, you know, with a, a single parent who is being shamed for, you know, having a job, essentially. In people's lives, it's like, it's a taboo. It's like, hush, hush, although everybody is fucking. As, as sex workers, it, it makes it difficult because it's just like what, what we're doing because we choose to showcase and, and be liberated and make a decision about what we want to do, and this is our chosen career. People look down, look down on that because of the fact that we have that much confidence. I think the greater society um, doesn't understand that they don't have to actually have sex for free. <laughs> they don't. If you're having sex and you don't think it's work, you're probably not doing it right. Because I had sex last night, and let me tell you, I put in some fucking work, <laughs> okay? <laughs> I put in some goddamn work, and, and, and you should be paid for that. There's also discrimination from some of these groups that I'm in around a lot of white people 
and white trans women. We don't live the same reality. A cop could roll up on me. If I don't have ID, I'm automatically going to jail. Now, if I'm a sex worker and I get attacked or raped and I try to report it, I still might go to jail. You sit back and you really think of the, the history of how we've been criminalized and you add us trying to take care of ourselves and now we're victimized and these laws that keep coming up, that's the, I'm not too happy about. Austin, not too happy about either. These are bills that, that are gonna change everything. They're gonna just make our lives a living hell. Um, from the allies to the sex worker to how we're defended by the law. With laws out here like this, I can't imagine what kind of predicament it's gonna put us in. What kind of predicament it's going to put the young sex worker in. These laws aren't trying to protect children at all. What they're trying to do is control women. They're trying to control sex. They're trying to control how you consume sex, how you have sex. Women are primarily at the forefront. We're, we're, the, we're the ones that really get the shit. When it all hits the fan, we're the ones that get affected the most. They're not seeing men get vilified for it, you know. They're not getting seven-year sentences because they were doing, you know, prostitution or whatever. So no one seems to care that the, their nail tech is probably trafficked or the, the person making their food and all, all the, the, the housekeeper, no, no one really gives a fuck. It's just when it comes to sex, sex is this taboo subject in this, uh, in this society. And we I'm have sure. to be labeled as trafficked yeah, in order yeah. for the government to keep pushing. They just took down Craigslist. Craigslist. That's not gonna solve trafficking. That's not, that's not gonna solve the fucking problem. But look where this is going. So Craigslist has like a personal ad that's for free and, and some people have used it. By taking away the social media platforms to be able to post an ad or, or promote yourself, you're actually forcing people into an area or a situation that is beyond dangerous because you're breaking a chance for them to be able to screen or view someone as they would like to as a consumer. As a sex worker, you should have the right to screen your demographic, who you're dealing with, opposed to being into street work where you don't know what situation you're walking into. I'm sure you guys are aware of that. There was a recent New York City stripper strike, and part of the reason why. Yeah, I wrote a, I wrote yes. a piece about it. Giselle and Panama are the two ladies that started the strike when it comes to women of color, um, and how we don't have that a right, don't have many rights, and if we do speak up or stand up for ourselves, we either fired or suspended or blacklisted. They mentioned the lack of professionalism when it comes to working together. Between the management and owners um, not holding themselves accountable to being professional, it trickles down to um, the co-workers battling each other, and that was a major issue when it came to the strike. And these men, they leave with their, most men, they leave with their penises and they decide to hire the girls that they want to sleep with. Yeah, so there's like, you know, this idea that if the darker you are, that you're not worth a certain amount of money, you're not worth a certain amount of respect, you're not presented with certain opportunities, and that goes for any industry, right? Because That's all it over. Happens, it's, it happens everywhere, and it doesn't end 
in the sex industry and people often think that because you're selling sex it's easy money and no matter what you look like you can make money and it's like no actually no it's not true and even if you're not dark skin you're black and if you don't fit into certain kinds of you know uh, Western beauty norms you just you just can't charge a certain amount of money you can try but you're probably you're gonna need other money to fall back on otherwise you're just gonna end up in the red I want the future of sex work to not be conflated with trafficking I want I want the separation I want to be there there to be a distinct separation from the trafficking narrative and I want people to stop being amazed that we can suck dick and clean houses and be and, and have advanced degrees or not, or just be skilled in other areas. Everyone's against us, nobody understands us, but they really wish that they can beat us. And now we are against us because we're being forced into this pattern. We're being forced into these areas of having to pit each other against each other. As a sex worker, I feel strong and empowered. As a sex worker ally, I would like to see the government really do something positive. Back up your shit. If you're gonna do this, we need thousands and hundreds of thousands, millions. We need money. We need money and we need it now. <laughs> Thanks for watching The Root. We hope you enjoyed this video. All right. So that was the video, Are Sex Workers Being Targeted by New Legislation? And we know the answer to that is yes. Unfortunately. So folks can check out the video on YouTube as well as on the Facebook Weekly Review page. Coming up next, we're going to hear some audio going back. We'll be jumping around a little bit talking about what may seem like different issues, but everything is connected in terms of state violence and how the state discriminates against people and puts people against each other and causes a lot of harm when they pass legislation that's under the guise of helping people and ends up hurting people, especially the most marginalized folks. So this is a... We'll play the audio from a uh, video that was posted. Um, uh, P N N K E X U uh, Roofless Radio, and it's called Sweep. And it's also on YouTube. Um, yeah. <laughs> the unferal, I mean, feral mayor is saying that yeah. he's going to come out here on Division Street and do more sweeps. What do you have to say to that? I think it's really fucked up. I think it's, uh, it's not proven that he's a good mayor, you know what I'm saying? If anything, he's going to push people away. Like, you know, they're supposed to, the last mayor said he was going to get almost everybody who was homeless off the streets, and he didn't even do what he said he was going to do. And then now we got a new mayor who's just, instead of, dealing with it to sweep us away, you know what I'm saying? That doesn't change the amount of homeless people or that there is homeless people. Thank it you. It just makes it worse. And now, from my understanding, is that you can actually go to jail for it. Yeah. Like, that's crazy. So, yeah. you, it's illegal to be homeless? Like, yeah. I don't get that. Yeah. Like, I, I understand it, like, if there's needles right. laying all around and there's, like, I mean, it's kind of trashed out right now just because I moved in here just now, but, um, no, but I mean, I keep my area clean, but yeah. I can understand that, like, you know, people want to be able to walk on the sidewalk. Right, right, right. You know, people who don't want to have bring their children around needles and things right. like that. I, I get that. And I'm totally for that. Like I. But you guys are really but, like yeah, we cleaned up, man. Our yeah. Best, and we don't break into cars. Yeah. We don't allow nobody to break into cars. Yep. We don't allow anybody to steal from people. Right. We don't allow people to harass people who are walking right. by. None of those things. So like, I don't get that. Like, right. You know. Like, and and when when DPW, I don't know if you've experienced them taking uh, stuff. I've had them take like three tents already. Wow. And everything I own just recently, matter of right. fact. And it's like, what do you say? Like, I mean, 
They're yeah. supposed to bag it and tag it. That's the law. Yeah. So they're supposed to take your stuff and put it in a bag with your name on it or something like to deal with you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then you could go to their... Yeah. They were, and get them get stuff, back. right. But they don't do that. Yeah. They just throw all your shit in the fucking trash and then, like, what do you do? Like, yeah. Luckily, the last time they did that, um, one of the workers felt my pain and it was like, you know what? I'll give you your shit back. Uh, you know what I'm saying? And, like... That yeah. was cool. So you gave me like half of my shit back, though. Wow. And what they chose, they wanted to give back. Not like what I wanted, right? You know? And so it's like, what the fuck? Yeah. But, you know, the law says bagging and tagging. And the, also the law says that they can't, like, arrest you or do any of that shit to you if they have a place for you to go. Yeah. They don't have places for us to go. No, they don't. You know what I'm Thank saying? Thank you. navigational center, somebody like me, I've been in prison. Yeah. I've spent most of my life locked up. And now, like... I, I don't do shit anymore. I haven't been arrested in three years. Right on. I haven't on. been back to prison in eight years. Right on. Like, I do everything. Last night, I almost went to jail because two people got in a fist fight. And um, somebody dropped their phone. The car was about to run over it. So I had grabbed it, and I was holding it looking for, you know, waiting for somebody to say, right. hey, you know, my phone's missing. Right. Nobody did. And then the, the dude had called the cops on the guy who beat his ass. Right. And so they come. And so, you know, how... I got picked out of any amount of people over here, but I did. And they cuffed me, you know, and I'm on probation until September 6th. Wow. First time since I was like nine years old, I'll be off paperwork. Right off paperwork. on. And so, like, I worked really hard for it. It's not like I'm not getting caught committing crime. I'm just not committing crime at all. I you know? And so, to go from, like, a life of crime to not even committing a crime and then having cops right. arrest me. So, they found the phone, and so automatically they're arrest about to arrest me wow. on uh, for robbing this dude of his phone <laughs> luckily i know the dude and the dude's like no he wouldn't try to steal my phone if anything he was trying to pick it up for wow. me like, and, but i still sat on the ground in, in the freezing cold with the cuffs on for like two hours so do you do you um, as a person who's you know obviously trying to walk the red road of recovery and you know do yeah. do it be about it have yeah. you already tried to get housing i've tried to get housing but the first thing they want to put me is in the navigational center. And that's too much like being in prison to uh, me. You know what I'm saying? It's going to be like, I'm back in prison again. I can't do that. I'm going to start doing prison behavior. I feel you. And no, no, no. I feel I know you. I'm done. You know, I, I and I don't want any chances of getting a home off. Like, you know, I got SSI growing up in New York. I can get SSI out here. The only reason I haven't um, tried is because... Up until now, like, you know, I was committing crime, doing drugs and selling drugs. And, like, I didn't want to use that money to do that. No, I feel you, man. You're trying to do the right thing. Then if they catch me doing that, then I lose my money forever. Then I have no chances. No, I feel you. And I I just want to say honor and love from Poor Magazine. We get it. We're poor people. We've been there, done that. So much love. Keep it up. We'll be here tomorrow. Blood, money, liberty, pain In the harbor a lady stands weeping A fire eternally burns 
All right, so playing some local music there, that was Scorpio Moon with The Palms from the 2018 NPR Tiny Desk Contest, and that's available on YouTube. And before that, we heard Mia Byrne, who's been a guest here on the show before, and you can check out Mia's music at miaburn.bandcamp.com, and that's Mia, M-Y-A, and that was American Dream, So Far Away. And before that, we heard an interview uh, from uh, Tiny Greg Garcia, and that was for the uh, PNN KEXU Roofless Radio and it was a uh, sweep and that's available on YouTube and we also shared that recently on the Weekly Review webpage for more information about that and they do a lot of amazing work at Poor Magazine and you can check them out as well Whew, why am I talking so fast? Maybe it's the coffee let's get into a few more news stories and ugh, so as mentioned uh, I'll, I'll go through these and then we can sigh together or scream or do whatever we want Ooh, sound effects again. This is from LGBTQ Nation. Bill making it legal to ban gays and lesbians from adopting passes in Oklahoma. And this is written by Alex Bollinger, and this came out today. Uh, the Oklahoma House passed a bill yesterday that would allow adoption and foster care agencies to discriminate against parents whose lives violate the quote-unquote sincerely held religious beliefs of the agency. Fucking bigots. They should just say, hey, we're bigots. Just say you're bigots. Don't say you've got religious ideology. You're a fucking bigot. All right. The Adoption Protection Act, because we need fewer children to be adopted, I guess, is their understanding. Fucking gross. Fucking gross. All right. So it's called the Adoption Protection Act, and it passed the GOP-controlled House in a 60 to 26 vote. A similar bill has already passed the Oklahoma Senate. Supporters of the bill are fucking assholes. No, sorry. That was... I misread that. Supporters of the bill stress that the state's foster care system is overloaded. Um... I don't. Okay, if it's over. Ugh. All right. While most people would think this is an argument in favor of maximizing the number of people of available parents to take children in, supporters say that religious agencies will take their their ball and go home instead of placing kids in decent homes that violate the agency's sincerely held religious beliefs. Opponents said that the bill would allow discrimination based on anti-LGBTQ hatred. And also, I'm just going to interject, how about all the kids who are LGBTQ? So you'd, ugh, where where are they going to go? Are you going to place them with folks who are homophobic and transphobic? That's what's going to happen if they get placed at all? Fucking terrible. Ugh. Opponents said the bill would allow discrimination based on anti-LGBTQ hatred. The bill is discriminatory, harmful to youth, and completely unnecessary, said Troy Stevenson, executive director of Freedom Oklahoma. We will continue to fight against it becoming law. We will fight it in the court of public opinion, and we will fight it in court if necessary. During the opening prayer, why is there a fucking prayer in the Oklahoma? Why is there? Ugh. Ah. Whew. I need a punch card for every time I get upset, and maybe when I get upset 12 times in the show, I win a massage or uh, a, a boxing gym membership where I can just wail on a punching bag. Okay. During the opening prayer, in because we live in backwards land where nothing makes fucking sense, during the opening prayer in the Oklahoma House yesterday, Father Brian Schieber seemed to push for the passage of the bill. I wonder what he's up to. Let's investigate this motherfucker. Touch the hearts of our lawmaker. I'm not going to quote him because he sounds like a fucking bigot asshole. And then the governor who's, oh, I forget. They're, oh, oh, I forget. Like, I forget. There's like, throughout the history of the show, I've gotten angry at governors of various states, including our own California for Jerry Brown for sending, deciding, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll send folks to 
quote unquote guard the fucking border, which is imaginary, but whatever, whatever makes you happy, buddy. Gross. Uh, yeah, the governor in Oklahoma is pretty fucking reprehensible as well, and that's Mary Fallon, F-A-L-L-I-N. Uh, she's expected to sign the bill, which would make it the only anti-LGBTQ state law pay- passed in 2018. Let's make that not happen. For folks with contacts in Oklahoma, ugh, gross. Gross. Fucking so gross. South Dakota, Michigan, Alabama, and Texas already have similar legislation. That's great. That's just fucking disturbing and gross. That's nasty. We are going to... Um, hmm. Let's see. All right, we'll do something on the flip side of something positive. And the positive news on this show is pretty much when something that's bad stops happening <laughs> or is prevented from happening. And here's something. It's from CNN Politics. I know it's mainstream. Uh, however, they're reporting on this, so there we go. Indiana abortion law signed by Mike Pence ruled unconstitutional. So there's always that. There's always the idea that if you put something in writing that's fucked up and wrong, it will be ruled unconstitutional. I don't necessarily believe in a lot of the laws that are, I mean, who gets to make the laws, who writes them, it's all fucked up. And at the same time, if we can at least stop these terrible laws from being in place, that's a positive thing because people take them seriously and it ends up really devastating people's lives. This is written by Claire Foran and it came out uh, last Friday, April 20th. A federal appeals court has ruled that an Indiana abortion law signed by fucking fuckface. I'm usually a little bit more uh, advanced with my the name calling, or maybe I try not to do name calling. However, when you're passing bills that harm people's lives and or writing people, writing <sighs> bills that harm people's lives, I can't help but just swear and curse because the exasperation and it's based in fear and anger and frustration and knowing that life is already difficult enough as is. And when people in positions of power pass laws that harm people, marginalized communities and folks, I mean, especially over people's bodies. Like, are you fucking kidding me? But this is a happy story, so let's finish up the happy story. Let me get through the first paragraph, at least. So, Pence, uh, when he, okay, so when he, he signed it into law when he was the state's governor, and they're saying that's unconstitutional. The legislation, signed by Pence in March 2016, imposed restrictions on a woman's ability. I'm going to say on a person, I'm going to correct them, on a person's ability to seek an abortion, because not just women have abortions. Excuse me. Including in cases where the child would be born with a disability. Uh, it seems ableist. All right. Moving along. Let's see if I can get through it a one full paragraph without commentary. I don't, I can't guarantee, but that's okay. It's the open show. I can say what I'd like. The seventh U.S. Circuit of a Court of Appeals issued its ruling on the law Thursday. Judge William Bauer wrote in it the decision that provisions in the law that bar people. See, I've got to keep on fucking correcting this article that people from seeking abortions in certain cases clearly violate what he described as well-established Supreme Court precedent and therefore unconstitutional. The ruling upholds an earlier federal court decision. Pence was tapped to be then presidential. Fuck. All right. We know what he does now. Oh, yeah. When he signed the bill, House Enrolled Act 1337, Indiana already had some of the most restrictive abortion laws in the nation. HEA 1337 will ensure the, dignifi- the dignified final treatment. And ugh, I can't even read it because it's so fucking gross. And the language that they're using is final. Ugh. Ew, ew. I can't. I can't. I can't. I can't read. Ugh. Uh, uh. All right. And then they quoted the CEO of Planned Parenthood of Indiana and Kentucky. 
because it's again it's there was comments made years ago of how uh, before same-sex marriage if you want to call it that was made legal around even though not everyone was able to do it uh, around the the United States it was still um, even before that even in certain states where it was legal it was still easier for folks to get married to a same-sex partner I don't believe in same-sex uh, how do we create language that is a hope folks get where you get where I'm coming from all right for the sense for the sake of the argument it was easier for folks to get gay married gay married than it is for folks to access abortion in this country and this was from years ago so that's something that a lot of folks don't really think about is that how difficult it can be to get reproductive health care in this country or having to drive really far away and even if you find, go to a place there might be people protesting outside and or it might not be covered and or so many other problems and that's something else that's like only made worse by this administration and the folks involved with this administration all right so the ceo of the planned parenthood of indiana and kentucky because it's uh, it's so there's so few places said in a statement that the organization was confident that the courts would rule that the restrictions imposed by the law violated the constitution and there was no medical basis for these restrictions of course and uh, cnn reached out to the vp and then they haven't said anything because they're we don't want to hear from them anyway but yeah um okay and then they interviewed someone from jane hennigan hennigar from who's the executive director of the aclu of indiana praised the ruling and said uh, this ruling is a victory for i'm gonna say for people i get that you're saying for women and also let's include that there are people who are not women who also need abortion services. So let's open up the vocabulary there. But again, baby steps, baby steps. All right. So it's a victory for people and another repudiation of attempts by Indiana politicians to restrict and even ban access to abortion care. All right. So that's one of the positive stories I can offer you all this week. You're very, you're very welcome. (laughs) Uh, it makes me sad. Okay. Um, moving along, we got another positive news story. Oh, it's from last year, though. That's okay. I'll read the headline, at least. This is from May of 2017. Tennessee makes community college free for all adults. There we go. That's positive. And you can find that on CNN. You know how things go online. People share an article, and then I myself sometimes don't necessarily look into the date before I, I share it. I might read it over and oftentimes forget to look at the date itself. So this is from last year. However, that's pretty awesome. And of course, college should be, and education should be something that's accessible for all. So that's a happy news story headline for folks. Event plug, it's 1.02 p.m. Coming up on Sunday, April 29th, the Dendrettes NorCal are setting up a music show for, I'm reading the description, uh, Degenderates NorCal Arts is setting up a music show for y'all because we're tired of going to see cis bands, so we're gonna book a show ourselves. Deal with it. The different bands that are playing is HIRS Hers Collective from Philadelphia, and they are at HersBandCamp.com, Hers.BandCamp.com, uh, Escort from Olympia, and Escort Punks with an X.BandCamp.com, Inverts from Oakland, Inverts.BandCamp.com, and The Hex from Chico, and they uh, see you in heck dot bandcamp.com so this is a show 
uh, all trans lineup, pretty fucking rad, happening at Monument at 149th Street in San Francisco. And this is Sunday from 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. And let's see if there's more information. It's a $5 to $10 suggested uh, donation. Uh, no one turned away for lack of funds. It's an all-ages show. Doors are at 7. Music is at 8 p.m. sharp. All over at 10 p.m. because it's a, it's a school night benches, they say. Thanks to all the artists at Monument who are offering up their beautiful space for the show. Please don't piss them off while you're here. Monument is wheelchair accessible. We request that attendees do not wear a sense. We don't expect any shit, but the genderettes will be present to make the show a safer, happier place for trans people. If you want an escort from Civic Center BART, DM us ahead of time. Cool. Awesome. Looking forward to that. Again, that's Sunday at 7 p.m., April 29th at Monument, which is at 149th Street. Very cool. Positive things happening. People doing good things. Great. Coming up next. Oh, speaking of the genderettes, I'm going to read, this goes back to the um, genderettes Antifa art exhibit, and I'm going to make this a little bit larger so I can read the text. Ah, oh, goodness. Let's see here. So this comes from the Degenderettes Antifa art protest artwork. Um, uh, by the Degenderettes NorCal chapter. Uh, tolerance is not a moral absolute. It is a peace treaty. I'm going to take the microphone out of the stand so I can read this a little bit better. Um, Jonathan Zunger wrote these words in the week's leading up to the first Women's March in 2017. In the same article, he suggested that the limits of tolerance could best be illustrated by a degenerate standing defiantly and without aggression, pride bat in hand. Throughout this exhibit, you will see artifacts of that, of that defiance, some more visceral or confrontational than others, but all of, with the same message. Transgender people exist, and we are a part of society's peace treaty, but we are also counting the bodies at least seven transgender people have been killed in the United States since the beginning of 2018, and it's more than that now. We degenerates are present at shows of solidarity, such as the Trans March, Dyke March, Women's March, and Pride. We endeavor to provide protection for transgender people at rallies and marches in San Francisco, Oakland, and Berkeley. We show up in opposition to people who seek to harm the transgender community, people like Milo Yiannopoulos, whose track record of outing transgender students and doxing immigrants inspired a contingent of degenerates to protest his fateful visit to UC Berkeley in February 2017. It was in the wake of the confrontation at UC Berkeley that shields were identified as weapons by the Berkeley Police Department and banned from all subsequent protests in the city. These guidelines have been adopted throughout the rest of the Bay Area. To us, the shields and everything else in this exhibit are still a type of armor, sometimes symbolic, sometimes practical, always declaring, we are here, we are queer, and we, will, we still live unafraid and visible. And we will live unafraid and visible. The Degenderettes of Northern California are an art and advocacy club of trans and queer members who aim to support and uplift our community. We attempt to fill unfilled needs as best we can until more permanent and funded organizations can be both can be built for them. In addition to protest art, our work currently includes radical visibility, interpersonal support, LGBTQIA self-defense training, practical 
community protection, and connecting people to resources. So folks can like the Degenerates on Facebook and find more information there as well. And there's another piece I'm going to read in a little bit as soon as I find it. Today was one of those days. Oh, here we go. And this was about one of the... Um, pieces from the Degenderates exhibition, uh, The Bloodied Shirts, and uh, the title is I Punch Turfs. The I Punch Turfs shirt was originally made for Dyke March in 2017 by an assigned female at birth genderqueer person who wanted to shield the trans women they were at the march with. In this use, it was uncontested, but when it was worn the next day in the San Francisco Pride Parade, however, it was considered unacceptably violent because it was worn by a woman who was trans. The online assault of character and death threats that followed illustrate the double standard placed on, placed on trans women to conform, to be silent, and to never fight back, a standard that perpetuates anti-trans violence and trans suicides. TERF is an acronym for Trans Exclusionary or Erasing Radical Feminist, an oppressive belief set that attempts to delegitimize trans women, not just theoretically, but by inducing suicide through internet harassment, public release of personal information, calls to employers and landlords, legal action, and substantiated threats of death and physical harm, often directed against minors. It is possible that more trans deaths have occurred as a result of turf harassment than by cis men homicides. And then there was a, so that was one shirt that said, I punched turfs. And the next one was your, says your apathy is killing us. The your apathy is killing us shirt is displayed alongside. I punched turfs with bloodied, uh, both bloodied during a dying performance at SF pride 2017 intended to bring awareness to the staggering number of trans people who commit suicide or are murdered each year. The apathy shirt was originally made as a, a response or commentary to the Pulse shooting. To quote Brandon Wolf at a hashtag never again rally this February 21st, 2018, after first graders were gunned down at Sandy Hook, what did you do? Not a damn thing. After 49 people, including my two brothers, were murdered at Pulse, what did you do? Not a damn thing. You plugged your ears and turned your eyes and hoped that we would stop talking. And now we're here again. And what did you do yesterday when given the chance to do something about it? Not a damn thing. So those are both some selections from the Degenderates art exhibit happening now at the San Francisco Public Library. I highly recommend folks check it out if you're able. And thanks to all the Degenderettes and the folks there making that happen. All right. I think it's time for some more music. And we'll get to that now. So I'm going to move along here and see what we can play next. And this is a song called Micro Macro by Alfonso Oni Aliomar. <laughs> Mm-hmm. 
love you so much I want to draw you cute medicine and bring you noodles when you get back in bed again. I really love how you like crows. I think you have the cutest nose. When you dance, I like to watch you. Let me help you shave your crotch. I love how you hold out your arm for me when we walk down a hill and be like totally wow when we see a bald eagle. You are so kind and so fair. You'd even take on a double dare. When my dog died, you were there. It's like breathing to care for you. I love you like mushrooms, like roots, like fruit. I love you like rain, like trees, like soup. Softness of your smile, I think I'll stick around a while. I love you in 50 point all caps, bold faced of your favorite font. You give me everything I could ever need, want, and more. It's you that I adore. And welcome back. That was Cat or Coyote by Saplings. And you can find that at saplings.bandcamp.com. And before that, 
We heard Micro Macro. That was on SoundCloud, soundcloud soundcloud.com. And let me bring up the full link here. It's uh, soundcloud.com and Alfonso Oni, O-N-I, Ali Omar. Great. Okay. So some good music there from folks. Awesome. Happy to share it. Please do feel free to send music. I'm happy to play it. And we're also, speaking of music here, we rent spaces here at Mutiny Radio. Saturday nights, if you're interested in doing a show here, music, comedy, spoken word, political, anything you'd like, feel free to contact us. If you go to mutinyradio.fm and contact Pam, the station director, we can talk about renting the space. You get a live broadcast, you have a saved MP3, you can have folks come in. It's pretty, it's a great space. Also, there are slots available if you'd like to host a show of your own. Get two hours a week to do anything you'd like. Involves a very quick training, you pay monthly dues, and then you get a podcast. Now all the equipment's here. It's pretty awesome. I highly recommend it. Been doing it now for quite a while. And we're looking for more folks to speak their truth. So if that's of interest to you, please do get in touch with us here. If you'd like to support the station, please come by. There's a lot of shows here. There's shows here every day of the week. You can donate while you're here. You can donate online to mutinyradio.fm. If you'd like to help the weekly review, uh, there's a Patreon up. We, thankfully, in the last couple months, are able to now fully cover the costs of rental fees, which I really appreciate. If you'd like to donate anything in addition, I would also really appreciate it. You can do so at patreon.com forward slash weekly rev. A dollar a month and more or more would be greatly appreciated. So thank you so much. And thank you for all the listeners. We had a lot of folks listening in the past few months and we're really grateful for, really, really grateful for folks for listening in. If you like it, please tell a friend. We're also available on iTunes. We'll be on Stitcher at some point. That's my goal. One of the goals. We have a lot of goals. So that's pretty great. (sighs) Cool. So uh, we'll do a not so great story. And then we'll do a positive story. How's that? Or at least uh, something that might make you feel good. The first one, it's like medicine. And well, medicine doesn't, medicine actually helps you in this. I don't think the story helps us. It's more just like, maybe it helps us in that the kind of know your enemy, which we all know Betsy DeVos is not a friend of the people. Uh, oh, this is from actually the articles from last year. And I think it's still important just to, to speak of though, when, uh, so she rescinded 72 guidance documents outlining rights for disabled students. And I think it's really crucial to talk about that as well. There's a lot of folks who are marginalized in our society and this current administration and a lot of administrations have done harm to folks. And there's, there's enough resources for everyone yet the folks in positions of power want to hoard resources and, or make things more difficult. And that's exactly what's, what's happening here. So I also just wanting to speak to that and, Send a lot of love and solidarity to all the folks out there advocating for rights for rights for all, um, especially uh, folks who are being harmed by discrimination against folks with disabilities and the disabilities in education. Uh, just uh, I'm running out of patience and words here, but just wanting to send a lot of love and solidarity to the folks out there advocating. Okay, on to a more positive story. It's a kind of historical thing, which I read from time to time here on the show. It's like, oh, I didn't know that. And I think for a lot of us, regardless of where and or how we were educated, we don't get the full picture. We have a very um, heterosexualized, heteronormative version of what happened and whitewashed version of what happened. 
and patriarchy. Like it's like all the things that we don't like in terms of our who's in who's in control and the stories that we hear and the history, the versions of history we hear is very uh, can be very disturbing, and we don't hear about a lot of other folks. So I'm gonna kind of twist that a little bit since we have the option to do so. And this is from the website lesbiannews.com, which I didn't know existed. However, it does, which is great. And this is Anne, Bonnie, and Mary Reed, Queer Pirates of the Seas. Um, and you can find this again at lesbiannews.com. A long time ago, two of the more famous pirates were women, Anne, Bonnie, and Mary Reed. And both of them were actually more ruthless than their male counterparts. Ideas for anyone? Cool. Though both of them had their share of male lovers, the two sailed together in the same ship and were good friends. And though there are no historical records to support this, a number of people surmise that the two could have been also been lovers and not just as a form of shipping. And Bonnie and Mary Reed, historical pirates. The background of both women are too long to recount here, but their histories had a number of similarities. Anne was born in Ireland while Mary was from England. Both were illegitimate children and were at times dressed as boys to fool other people. Mm-hmm. Okay, I... Yeah, well, we'll leave we'll leave that there. Anne married a would-be pirate named James Bonney, who later began who later began to inform the government about pirate activities. Because of this, she left him for a pirate captain named John Calico Jack Rackham, and served as his lover and part of his crew. When Mary grew up, she disguised herself as male while serving as a sailor and a soldier. It was while Mary was serving on a merchant ship in the West Indies when Anne's pirate ship chanced upon them. Mary was forcibly recruited into Anne's crew. In order to dissuade Anne from seducing her, Mary had to bare her breasts in order to avoid Rackham's jealousy. You could say that this was the start of a beautiful friendship between two women pirates. This is really... This is just fascinating, and I get that there's a lot. Folks, please do call in if you have comments or questions about this and or anything else. Our number is 415-550-0511. Both women had their share of adventures, making a name for themselves along among the pirates. However, their mark in history was cemented during their capture by a government ship. Rackham's crew were mostly passed out after a night on drinking on the ship, and that's why, that's why when the enemy captain called for their surrender... After an initial struggle, Rackham agreed to it. However, Anne and Mary resisted the call and urged the pirates to fight. According to legend, Mary told off the pirates on board, saying, If there's a man among ye, ye'll come up and fight like the man ye are to be. I had... Okay. Later on, during their imprisonment, Anne told Rackham that, If you had fought like a man, you need not have been hanged like a dog. Okay, interesting. As noted above, both women were never outright described in historical documents as queers or lesbians. However, the historian Susan Baker noted a possible lesbian relationship because of their love and care for each other. Likewise, Richter Norton, a literary and cultural history writer, noted that evidence of their homosexuality is not so clear-cut as we might wish, and at most they were bisexual, so lesbian is not strictly accurate. In any case, we must take into account Anne and Mary's dismissive treatment of their temporary male paramours and even their children, their obvious enjoyment of their cross-dressing and the fact that they acted together as a couple and obviously loved one another. So the evidence suggests that they must be relevant to any history of lesbian experience, Norton pointed out. Given that there weren't a lot of records of that period, it's possible that a relationship between Anne Bonny and Mary Reed could have been more than platonic. 
After all, lesbians had to come up with terms like a Boston marriage to hide these things from the less than forgiving judgment of men. Okay, I was hoping to get a little bit more out of this. And um, if anything, at least it's some memory that a lot of queer folks who have lived in history aren't necessarily remembered for being as such and or did not have the language or weren't allowed the language or the visibility at the time. So, and this came out in 2016, this article. So again, I was hoping for a little bit more and, you know, hit and miss sometimes here on the show. I'm human. Uh, We all make mistakes and whatnot. So thought I wouldn't at least share that with, with folks. All right. Well, I look for some more things. I'm going to play some more music. This is from Joe Yoga, uh, and this is called 30 Love. So I can read it But just messy enough All right The old scaffold is good at looking out It will hide us all night A bus pulls in A bus pulls out You push me in And pull me out Listen, don't miss me, don't wave after the car Just kiss me with everything you are I will burn this box of things when I make it over the bridge Cause this is how it is and it has to be cool smell and taste and fill in the blank page a bus pulls in a bus pulls out you push me in and pull me out don't miss me don't wave after the car Just kiss me with everything you are I will burn this box of things When I make it over the bridge Cause this is how it is and it has to be
days, 12 states I'll be a little late, but that's fine Cause life is only weight and smoke and rain And keeping your story straight A bus pulls in, a bus pulls out So we're clear what this is all about. Listen, don't miss me and don't attract a crowd. Find a set of ears to keep to the ground. I'll burn this box of things when I make it over the bridge. Cause this is how it is and it has to be cool
right. That was Lucky Witch and the Righteous Ghost with Winter Dread. And you can find that on YouTube.com. Before that was 30 Love by Joe Yoga. And you can find that at joeyoga.bandcamp.com. Running low on time, as per usual. There's so much to get to, and we never quite get to everything. Um, uh, a few more brief headlines. And uh, we'll, we'll see what we can do. Also, coming up next at 2 p.m. here at Muni Radio is Women's Magazine with Global Val. And Global Val will be joined by Mark Leno, who is running for mayor here in San Francisco, followed by the Common Thread Collective. And there's also comedy here at the station every Friday night starting around 6 p.m. There's the, uh, I think, open mic around 6, and then there's the showcase at 8 p.m., if I'm correct. There's a lot of other shows here throughout the week, so please do check out Mutiny Radio. Tune in anytime. There's always stuff going on here. And if you'd like a show of your own, please do check out MutinyRadio.fm. Big story. I didn't quite get this earlier. Korean leaders plan an end to war and complete denuclearization. The joint statement Friday from Border Truce Village of Pan Panwinjom concluded a historic one-day bilateral summit aimed at achieving peace between the two adversarial nations for the first time in more than 60 years. The meeting of the Korean leaders was the first in more than a decade. And South Korean President Moon Jae-in and his North Korean counterpart Kim Jong-un seek to establish a permanent and solid peace on the peninsula. Wow. That's pretty righteous. Uh, Yeah. So that's good news. Yes. Good. Yes. Uh, Another story on the less... uh, uh, minor, well, it's a minor scale. Uh, Trump supporters can legally be kicked out of bars. New York City judge rules. So there's that. You can find that at Boing Boing. Also, Boing Boing report freedom of the press in decline around the world. While it should become as no surprise to anyone that follows the news or gets depressed by Twitter on a regular basis, freedom of the press as an important check against corruption and the misuse of power in a democracy is on the decline. We've been seeing it daily of late, political leaders spewing targeted hate at particular journalists or the outlets they work for, pundits calling the facts uncovered during deep-dive investigative reporting lies or alternative versions of the truth instead of trying to defend their viewpoints or confessing to their bullshit once they've been caught. Hell, Trump went so far as to call journalists quote-unquote enemies of the people. That's a term that Stalin was fond of. The assault on the media doesn't stop there either. With increasing frequency, journalists around the world are facing charges and incarceration for nothing more than doing their jobs. As insane as it is, those are the lucky ones. In some locales, being a journalist can get you killed. It's been common in recent years for reporters in Mexico to vanish or to wind up dead. Their work to bring the truth to light displeasing to drug cartels or corrupt local officials. And then there's this uh, from Reporters Without Borders. The line separating verbal violence from physical violence is dissolving. In the Philippines, down 6 to 133rd, President Rodrigo Duterte not only constantly insults reporters, but has also warned them that they are not exempted from assassination. In India, down 2 at 138th, hate speech targeting journalists is shared and amplified on social networks, often by troll armies in Prime Minister... Narendra's Modi's pay. In each of these countries, at least four journalists were gunned down in cold blood in the space of a year. If you're interested in taking a read of how your country rates on the RSF Index of Press Freedoms, Reporters Without Borders has all the information you need, head on over to their website 
have a stiff, well, they say have a stiff drink. I say you don't have to drink and gain a better understanding of how in many countries the hard-won freedoms we cherish are being pulled out from under us. Yikes. So you can find this, boingboing.net, and again, they mention Reporters Without Borders, and that's rsf.org. I haven't really checked out this website before. Um, yeah, the analysis, RSF Index 2018, Hatred of Journalism Threatens Democracies. Oh, oh goodness. Okay, so there's a lot of information there. They have a list of countries, actions, how you can get involved, how you can help journalists and who they are. You can also make a donation. Oy. So there is, <laughs> there is that. Goodness gracious. Okay, coming up next, what do we got for you? Um... It's one forty-two. We've got some time for the next show. Uh, also, I'm not a, we're not a fan of borders here. Many folks are not. And I might actually play the beginning of a partial podcast here um, from The Intercept that speaks with Israeli activists who are speaking out against the occupation of Gaza. So I'm going to probably end with that. Maybe I'll play some music afterwards. We'll see how we feel. If you want to hear the full podcast, go to theintercept.com. And this is called The Killing Fields of Gaza. And this is deconstructed with uh, Mehdi Hassan. And oof, we'll be back next week. And uh, stay tuned. Israelis do not know what's happening on the ground. Israelis don't understand the situation in Gaza today. Israelis don't understand what it's like to live as a Palestinian. And they only remember there are Palestinians when there's violence. I'm Mehdi Hassan. Welcome to Deconstructed. Tahrir Mahmoud Wahba was 18. Ala Yahya Zamili was 70. Hussein Muhammad Madhi was 16. Muhammad Ibrahim Ayub was 15. They were all unarmed and all killed over the past few weeks by Israeli snipers using live ammunition at the Israel-Gaza border. Every week, Palestinians continue to gather there as part of their ongoing Great March of Return protests. And every week, Israeli soldiers continue to shoot, murder, and maim them in their hundreds and thousands. Today on Deconstructed, I'll speak to two brave Israeli activists who campaign to protect the human rights of Palestinians and for an end to what has become the longest military occupation of the modern era. These commands are flagrantly illegal. This is not complicated. You don't need to be an IHL expert to look at this reality and immediately recognize that shooting live ammunition at unarmed demonstrators is absolutely unacceptable. This week, the killing fields of Gaza. Four Palestinians, including a 15-year-old boy, were killed by Israeli gunfire on Friday. At least 39 Palestinians have been killed in the four weeks of demonstrations against the Israeli blockade. The UN says there's a strong indication that the Israeli army has used excessive force. So let's be clear about what's going on in Gaza. Almost 2 million people, including 1.3 million refugees, crammed into a 140-square-mile strip. They're being shot at and killed on a weekly basis while protesting. And remember, they're not trying to invade and occupy Israel. They're trying to free themselves from Israel's invasion and occupation of Gaza. The Gaza Strip is occupied territory. It's not contested. It's not disputed. It's occupied militarily, illegally, 
in defiance of international law. And don't take my word for it. Here's the spokesman for the UN Secretary-General speaking seven years after the Israelis did their so-called disengagement, their pullout from Gaza in 2005. The Gaza Strip continues to be regarded as part of the occupied Palestinian territory. In fact, don't just take the UN's word for it either. Just use your own common sense. The Israelis say they pulled out of Gaza in 2005, pulled out all their troops, all their illegal settlers. Therefore, ergo, Gaza isn't occupied anymore, which sounds reasonable, except for the fact that Israel, with the help of Egypt, today controls Gaza's borders, Gaza's airspace, Gaza's territorial waters and Gaza's population registry. Yeah, the population registry. Israel literally decides who does and does not get counted as a resident of Gaza. That's occupation. In fact, the Israelis decide who can go in and out of the Gaza Strip and what can go in and out of the Gaza Strip. At one stage, they ban that well-known bomb-making ingredient, cilantro. Yeah, cilantro. Why cilantro? They ban cilantro from going into the Strip, which is why even pro-Israeli Western leaders such as the former Conservative Prime Minister of Great Britain, David Cameron, have said... Gaza cannot and must not be allowed to remain a prison camp. But it is a prison camp, an open-air prison camp, in which the prison guards have carte blanche to kill whoever they like, whenever they like, wherever they like. Because all the people there, the people who live there, farm there, study there, play there, protest there, are Hamas. They're all terrorists. That's what we're told. What we've seen is a violent riot in its clearest form. The purpose of this riot, as per what Hamas is saying, they want to erase the border, they want to penetrate into Israel. Hamas engineered an event where they wanted thousands of people to swarm into Israel, to overrun Israel, to commit acts of terror. It's easy to kill unarmed protesters if you demonize them first, right? If they're all terrorists, if they're all Hamas. Take, for example, the claim from Eli Hazan, foreign affairs spokesman, for Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu's Likud party, who said, and I quote, all 30,000, all 30,000 Gazan protesters, all 30,000 are legitimate targets. Or Israeli Defence Minister Avidor Lieberman's claim that, quote, there are no innocent people in Gaza. 1.9 million people live in Gaza. But according to the Defence Minister of Israel, none of them are innocent, apparently. That is the language of genocide. It is. In fact, the Israeli response to people pointing out that they're killing non-violent Palestinians in Gaza, hundreds of feet away from their beloved fence, their response is so extreme, so amoral, so tone-deaf, that even some of their most loyal supporters are no longer buying it. One of the big stories right now was the recent decision by the Israeli-American actress Natalie Portman, Queen Amidala herself, to turn down Israel's equivalent of the Nobel Prize because she says she doesn't want to look like she's endorsing Benjamin Netanyahu and his government. Her representative told the Genesis Prize that recent events in Israel have been extremely distressing to her, and she does not feel comfortable participating in any public events in Israel. Israeli nationalists have lost their minds over Portman's snub. One member of the Knesset of Israel's parliament said she should be stripped of her citizenship. A member of Netanyahu's cabinet said she was guilty of... Wait for it. Wait for it. She was guilty of anti-Semitism. Meanwhile, in the killing fields of Gaza, the Palestinian bodies continue to pile up, young and old alike. And the world just doesn't seem to care. But you know what? These deaths have to matter to us. If you're American, they have to especially matter to you because your government gives around $3 billion of military aid to Israel 
every single year. The United States is far and away the biggest supplier of arms and military equipment to the Jewish state. So those Israeli snipers shooting protesters in the head, shooting kids in the head, shooting journalists wearing press jackets, they were bought and paid for by Uncle Sam. Sorry to be the bearer of bad news, but as taxpayers in the US, we all have Palestinian blood on our hands, whether we like it or not, whether we know it or not. They are not care about dying because they are dying slowly, day by day in Gaza. So I, I talk with many of those demonstrators. They said that we are ready to die now. Now, the Israelis say this is all fake news. These are all lies and smears. They're all made up by the Palestinians who are anti-Semitic, by the Arab countries who are anti-Semitic, by European governments who are anti-Semitic, by the left, which is deeply anti-Semitic. The problem with this Israeli propaganda, and that's what this is, it's propaganda, is that it isn't just Palestinian human rights groups or Western human rights groups, such as Amnesty or Human Rights Watch, who have exposed Israeli abuses and war crimes in the occupied territories, but it's Israeli human rights groups too. Organisations like Breaking the Silence, an Israeli NGO which offers former Israeli soldiers the opportunity to confidentially break their silence over what they did in the occupied territories. And of course, the legendary Bet Salem, the Israeli Information Centre for Human Rights, which has been documenting abuses against the occupied Palestinian people for nearly 30 years now. Forget for a moment what Palestinians are saying about Israeli human rights abuses. Just listen to what Israelis are saying about Israeli human rights abuses. My guests today are two personal heroes of mine because they put up with abuse, hate, death threats from their fellow Israelis on a near daily basis in order to stand up for human rights, specifically for the human rights of Palestinians living under Israeli occupation. Avner Gavayahu is a former Israeli paratrooper who served in the occupied West Bank as a sniper team sergeant, but who now is executive director of Breaking the Silence. Hagai Al-Ad is a veteran human rights activist, former gay rights activist, former head of Israel's version of the ACLU, the Association for Civil Rights in Israel, and since 2014, executive director of Bet Salem. Recently, he and his organization provoked uproar in Israel when they called on Israeli soldiers at the Gaza border to refuse illegal orders to shoot to kill. Avner Gavayahu and Hagai Al-Ad, thank you both for joining me on Deconstructed. Hagai, can I start with you? You're the executive director of Betzalem. Uh, tell our listeners what Betzalem is, what it does, why it exists. Betzalem means in Hebrew, in the image, comes from the Bible. The idea is to express something that is fundamentally universal and Jewish at the same time, that all human beings were created in the image of God. We are the Israeli Information Center for Human Rights in Occupied Territories. We've been around for almost 30 years now, documenting facts on the ground, analyzing their meaning, and advocating for an end for the occupation. And Avner, you're also in the human rights field, but Breaking the Silence is a very different type of organization when it comes to documenting human rights abuses. You published the anonymous testimonies of former Israeli soldiers uh, who served in the occupied territories. What has the response 
to that being like you're a former soldier yourself. What's the response been to your testimony and the testimonies of others who have come to break in the silence? Yeah, so we're definitely not a classic human rights organization in that sense. And we've been around for 13 years, over 1,000 soldiers, 1,100 soldiers who have met with us um, and uh, shared their experiences, but not only in an attempt to share, but also to change. I think that most people will disagree with our analysis of what we did and what we saw, but it's very difficult to disagree and to disregard what so many soldiers are talking about. The day-to-day routine of the occupation, barging into homes, arrests, checkpoints. I mean, that's really the the bread and butter. That's the core of breaking the silence. We can't really not talk about Gaza first, what's going on in Gaza, what's been going on in Gaza in recent weeks, uh, the violence at that border uh, with Israeli soldiers shooting uh, unarmed protesters. We've seen videos of people fleeing the border, being shot in the back, literally. The Israelis say... This is us defending our border from infiltrators, from people trying to get through with burning tires and Molotov cocktails. Haggai, how do you respond to that as someone who's right in the heart of this debate inside of Israel? These commands are flagrantly illegal. They should not have been given and they should not be followed. This is not complicated. You don't need to be an IHL expert to look at this reality and immediately recognize that shooting live munition at unarmed demonstrators that are not endangering anyone is absolutely unacceptable. In the past, from what, from what all I right. Heard. So, hate to uh, stop this now, but if you want to listen to the full podcast, you go to the Intercept, and that's the Deconstructed Podcast. Israeli activists speak out against the occupation of Gaza. Coming up next is Women's Magazine with Global Val, and Val will be speaking with Mark Leno. So, please do stay tuned. Okay, Roman, 
Hi. Can, can you hear me okay? I can. Can you Hello? just like... Yes, I can. Can you just talk and like... Um, talk? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Hey, Roman? Hello? Hey, hello, Roman. Can you hear I'm me? I'm still talking. Yeah. I'm come back in. Okay. Let's see. Can you hear oh. me? Oh, no, I can't. Now you can? Hello? Yeah. Can you hear me now? Yeah? Maybe? Hello? Hello, hello, hello? Can you hear me? Hello? Hello? Roman? 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 Is the phone working? Uh-oh. I can hear you, but you can't okay. hear me. You can't. Um, no. You can't hear me. I'm gonna yeah, step outside again. Let's yeah. try this again. Hello. Hello, Roman. Roman Reimer. Hello. Hello. <laughs> oh no. I can't hear anything. You can't hear me. Can you? How about the music? Can you hear the music? I guess you wouldn't be able to tell. Are you still on the phone?